0: Hello, I'm Karen Pascal. I'm the Executive Director of the Henry Nowen Society. Welcome to a new episode of Henry Nowen, Now and Then. Our goal at the Society is to extend the rich spiritual legacy of Henry Nowen to audiences around the world. We invite you to share these podcasts and our free daily meditations with your friends and family. Through them, we can continue to introduce new audiences to the writings and the teachings of Henry Nowen, and we can remind each listener that they're a beloved child of God. Now, let me introduce you to my guest today. Today, I have the privilege of speaking with internationally renowned artist, writer, and cultural leader, Makoto Fujimura. Makoto Fujimura's art exhibits in New York City and in Asia have been featured in the New York Times, The Atlantic, and other leading publications. Makoto is the founder of the international arts movement and of the Fujimura Institute, And he's co-founder of the Kintsuki Academy. Mackie Fujimura, welcome to Henry Now and Now and Then.
1: It's great to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: I'm delighted. I've so enjoyed your book, Silence and Beauty, Culture and Care and Art and Faith. They are packed with wisdom and insights about the arts and the role of the artist in our world. And they are deeply inspiring in their call to Christians. But I confess, and I'm telling you this right Mm -hmm. away, I felt a little bit like, and I don't know whether you remember an old film called The Educating of Rita. Somehow I felt you were taking me to a deep place and educating me freshly on the Mm -hmm. arts, and I have really loved that. Mm. Marco, why does the church need artists? Well, church
1: needs artists because we worship a God who is an artist, who is the artist. Um, I make the case in my art and faith book, uh, Theology of Making is the subtitle that God is the only true artist uh, who created out of ex nihilo and uh, continues to create uh, through us and in, into this reality that, that, that's vast uh, and, and, and open. Uh, so to me, art is not just a profession, you know, it, it, is, it is about making and uh, we are created to be creative.
0: It's in us. It's a gift, isn't it? It's Mm -hmm. a fabulous gift. Now, in your book, Art and Faith, you speak of Lazarus culture.
1: Yes. (laughs) Lazarus culture. Well, it's based on John 11. I spend three or four chapters on John 11, two words, Jesus wept. And that's been critical, actually, for the whole book to think through that lens, a pinhole um, going from, creation uh, to new creation and um the emphasis being the invitation of this creator god to us toward the feast to come so we we are partakers and not only that god is inviting us to co-create in some way um and lazarus culture is when you look at john 11 and john 12 the first um, passage, first paragraph in John twelve is Lazarus after having been resurrected, sitting reclining at the table with Jesus, and uh, meanwhile the you know most wanted uh, hunt is on him because he's causing such a havoc among um, the Jewish authorities and and um, I suppose the entire world of what happened with his resurrection that uh Jesus had resurrected Lazarus uh this news is spreading fast and he's 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 the uh, person that um authorities want to hunt down and and uh, um put an end to this you know story and yet Lazarus is reclining at the table uh, <laughs> you know i i always say that if you had just come back from being dead, (laughs) there's nothing that could scare you. Um, you, As long as you're with Jesus, you're going to be okay. Um, And I argue that we know as Christians today, more than what Lazarus knew then, um, in, in that this resurrection, which was not permanent in Lazarus's case after Jesus's resurrection is now a permanent reality for us. So therefore, we should be just as chill with Lazarus, Uh being able to be confident that Jesus will not only take care of us uh, to the end, but, but there's new creation coming and, uh, and Jesus is... Own resurrection, resurrection has proved that there is something much, much more that we can anticipate in new creation than we had realized.
0: You have a rich, passionate love for Jesus. Where did that yeah. start? Was it was that what you were born into, or did what came along in your life to make this real? I'm I'm curious.
1: I did not grow up in a Christian uh, family. My father is a renowned scientist. My mother is an educator, but I found out later that my mother's side, there were generations of Christians in Japan, which is, uh, I suppose, a little unusual, And I, but, but I didn't know about any of that. When I was in my 20s, um, I w- went on the search as an artist to uh, see if there was anything uh, that, will allow me to see the world differently now the reality is i had already experienced what the spirit was doing through my creativity and my art um, i felt this charge uh, this charge that came through me when i was painting uh, as, as as young as i remember um, being three or four and experiencing that and And I, I just assume that everybody uh, experiences this, you know, when you paint or when you make something comes through you, uh, and and that was really to, for me to realize that this this gift of art was not mine, Uh, it came through me. Uh, I was uh, a vehicle, um, but. Um, you know, I and then I discovered perhaps in middle school that not everybody has this experience and people make fun of you if you talk about it. So um that was really a realization that I was made a little different and um experienced God personally, um, even not knowing who this you know who was the person giving me or who was the force behind this. And um I discovered in Jesus' voice exact. Exactly what I was experiencing in my studio uh, in my twenties, and 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 there was no looking back then because now I had a name to what I was experiencing already viscerally.
0: Well, you have provided incredible leadership mm. in the church in envisioning how and why the arts are so needed, and and where where they fit. And I, I really value that. I appreciate that so much. I, I looked too to find. Where does your world overlap I, a little bit with mm-hmm. Henry Allen? And, and I, certainly, there's so many places that I can see. Yeah. The theme of mercy is a common theme between the two of you, mm-hmm. and and addressing to the issues of trauma. There's just so many things. Can I can I ask you? Has have you found Henry someone who helped or gave words for you and inspired you?
1: Yeah, after 9/11, I I I'm a survivor of 9/11. I I, I was uh, trapped underneath the towers when the first hour fell uh in the subway. And um my church did a study uh, of Harry Nowin's Return of the Prodigal uh, Sons uh book uh with Rembrandt on the cover. And um and that was very formative. I, I had read that book before, but to do so after this trauma uh dealing with the crisis at hand and literally living facing ground zero every day and reading henry now and um it was very much um i i what i experienced spiritually during that time is attached to his his voice so i i'm grateful uh for uh, many, many of the books, uh, you know, that refers to wounded uh, healer and so, um, so much of um, what he had uh, put forth in, in the world in terms of generosity and mercy. Um, and, and because of my wife's ministry uh, called Embers International, we uh, uh, rescue uh, Multi generational families from the scourge of um, human trafficking in India, and I, I, I often thought about Henry Nowen's, um approach to mercy, as you noted, and um, we um, have discussed that at length as well. So, in, in many angles, I uh, we were influenced by his his writings. It was
0: interesting to me, and uh, I certainly found that throughout your books. I know that you and Henry would have been friends. There's no doubt about it to me.
1: <laughs> I would have loved that. How yeah. he
0: was fed by art, yes. how he how he entered into it and how important mm. it was in his life. Mm. It's interesting that mm. the return of the prodigal son was actually written at one of his lowest points, at, mm. at a point of real yeah. crisis in his life. Mm. And in a sense, he just dwelt with that work of art, really sat there and 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 let it feed him and let it speak to him. Similarly, I find in in reading your work and loving it has been the impact of Vincent van Gogh. And mm-hmm. there again, Henry so fed mm-hmm. from Vincent. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he at one point was hoping to do a play. And mm-hmm. then it was going to be a film because he mm-hmm. just he just so valued what he was hearing from Vincent van Gogh, what he was yeah. receiving.
1: Mm-hmm. He
0: was a kindred spirit. And I sense, you know. That's why I say I, I could just picture the two of you having a feast together, you know, in terms of... <laughs> we will, of
1: what we you will someday, thought. right? Yes. You <laughs> someday.
0: That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. In Art and Faith, you speak of Christ's tears. Yes. In the cultural river. Tell us a little bit about what that's about.
1: Right. Uh, Giant oven 35, you know, two words, Jesus wept, has been such a central um, place for me, um, especially having gone through... 9 11 and my art tends to be um uh energy towards victims of so many tragedies of our time um including columbine shoot, uh, mass shooting that happened in 1999 to 311 uh, 2011 tsunami and um Nuclear um, meltdown in Japan um, to you know of course pandemic time um, more recently and and so I am trying to really reflect on those realities of, uh, that we go through uh, and yet trying trying to point point uh, to the feast that is to come that god is inviting us to uh, even through those dark times and um it art has been been a path to literally depict jesus wept um in, in, at least internally for me i um i am pretending or assuming that jesus tears are still with us um physically you know jesus wept on this side of eternity so i imagine his tears being multiplied like fishes and the loaves uh, into the air in palestine where so many tears have shed since then including now and we we can remember that jesus's tears are still with us um in our tears, and and so I paint with Jesus tears. I I always say, um, and because what uh, my my work is water based, so um, it's traditional Japanese oil painting, which is to mix minerals, uh, pulverized minerals with animal hide glue, and and then mix it with water, and you you, you do over hundred to sometimes up to two hundred layers. Uh, before you begin to paint, um, so it it's kind of this um, slow process. like it is part of the slow art movement, I guess. And um I have been really mindful. Uh, every stroke is prayer. Um every time I uh, you know, put down a sheet of gold or silver or whatever the materials I'm using, um, I'm reminded of Jesus' tears.
0: We are living through such a time. Vision of wars of yeah. tragedies just mm-hmm. in our faces right now just mm-hmm. do you think art has a capacity to transcend the political
1: absolutely i you know in fact you look at history of civilization and uh, if you removed all the works let's say directly affected by wars uh, really front lines of wars you would Lose 80% of art and literature. Uh, you would not have Hemingway, you would not have J.D. Salinger, you would not have Gerald Tolkien or C.S. Lewis. These people were directly impacted by frontline experiences, T.S. Eliot. Um, and then you look back into times Frangelico painted during the black plague. Um, You know, Michelangelo, Shakespeare came out, uh, you know, when theater couldn't be built inside of London then because of the black plague. Um, So these artists responded by creating beauty and creating transcendent, enduring uh, ways to talk about their time. And so for me, it's our responsibility today as artists to be able to capture something beyond the vista of trauma and and to look straight into the heart of darkness, I suppose, and, and um, see that th- this is not the end, um, but only a, a, perhaps a beginning of something new. Now, <laughs> easier said than done. Um, you know, we all struggle every day to simply survive and and to have hope and and that's 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 why artists are needed today because of what you know uh violence can destroy or take away you know in in the days when we are grieving uh, what's happening in Israel and Gaza, you know this darkness that began, with a music festival. Um, You know, it's it's not by accident that the terror uh, strikes at the heart of creativity and imagination and young people celebrating life. And today, you know, we can look at the future with this renewed sense of you know this desperate sense that we need music uh, to come back we need the arts we, we we need to be able to celebrate um and we're, it's gonna have to be earned um through patiently navigating every day you know and and it's it's a stewardship of response uh imaginations it's 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 you know we As I write in one of my books, we swim in the ecosystem of imagined actions. So if we let fear and and anxiety take over us, and if we create only through our darkness, let's say, um, or vengeance for Seat, we cannot create the future. Um, Artists are the ones that despite what they see, they are somehow able to rise above the darkness and create into the future and therefore they're helping us to train our imagination to create the future together and so we need those stories that is enduring that you know goes through the darkness um you know begins uh, um as dante says way up is down um we we have to go through the darkness to earn the right to perhaps imagine the future but at the same time, you know, we, we need artists and poets and musicians and um, um, creators um, to help us lead into that process of not just recovery, but, but envisioning a world that, is, that ought to be, uh, that arises out of our darkness.
0: What would you want to say to the church schools of theology to the seminaries what would you want to say to them because i agree with you completely but but speak a prophetic word to them because if we lose the artists we lose that possibility of, of, of divine in a very special way
1: i had a privilege of spending 30 minutes with pope francis with my wife and two sisters who brought us there last november and he kept on saying this he said You are the creators of good and the beautiful, and he came up to me as we were leaving and said, "I know that the world, uh, the the world of darkness, pushes back against you as you create beauty, but don't stop, keep going." (laughs) And I have told that exact words to many, many artists since then. They they may be religious, they may not be, Um, but all of them have tears in their eyes when they hear that. We need to hear that today. Um, and we need artists um, and we need to tell them what Pope Francis told me, um, that you're creating goodness and beauty really matters. You know, mercy and beauty it can reshape the lives of not just us, but generations to come. and. So that's why the church needs to lead in stewarding of imagination uh, rather than being afraid of, um, you know, perhaps artists creating transgressive works. Well, they're only doing that because there's no guidance to steward their imagination to move beyond the transgressive. Um, And many times beauty is kind of transgressive because we don't see it in in the world around us and especially when you're traumatized right so in a brokenness we can only see brokenness and we we might repeat a cycle of violence but artists are the the ones that perhaps courageously you know step into that and say no no there's there's something beautiful in this brokenness and we can create something new out of it
0: I'd love you to share a little bit about kintsugi. Is that how you say it? That's right. Can you share about that? Because I know you've started an institute, and I know you're teaching it. Tell us what that's all about. Yeah, kintsugi is
1: just one of many Japanese um, (laughs) ways that we found very helpful, especially in traumatized times. And we brought a Korean ball that that was broken, mended in Japan uh, in 17th, 18th century, um, by kintsugi master who is a urushi master the japan lacquer master who uh, will oftentimes hold on to the fragments for at least uh, uh, sometimes just several generations but um, he or she will behold the fragments for a long time um, and the reason you do that is to honor the brokenness that you don't you know fix it right away you uh, behold a brokenness look at the fragments and it is said that when you look at the fragments of what is broken and you see that one fragment as 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 whole as beautiful in itself then the work can begin because the work is not just to restore it to the original state but using Japan lacquer and gold, you highlight and create a new kind of design out of the fragmentation, you amplify the fragmentation to, to, to the degree that Kintsugi bowl is more valuable uh, than even the original because of the gold and, and time invested in recreating it and creating something more valuable, new, out of the uh, fragments. And so I have used this metaphor as even theologically because of Jesus' post-resurrection appearance. He he is not only a glorified human being, he's a wounded glorified human being. Uh, His wounds, uh, scars are still with him and it is through his wounds we are healed. And therefore, our wounds and our brokenness, um, you know, without glorifying what happened to us or the brokenness we experience in life, um, somehow is part of this, you know, in God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. So we are able to carry this work um, as part of new creation. And that changes everything. You know, this is. If this is understood and embraced in the church today, as Henry Nowen would understand, that the brokenness is an entry for us to celebrate community together because we are broken together. And the master Kintsugi uh, uh, designer is looking at the pieces, right, and seeing what we cannot see, which is each one of us bring a unique piece, a fragment um, that god looks at and says this is beautiful this is complete now let's see what happens when i put this piece with this piece and (laughs) this mosaic that that you know is built is christ's broken body right not just restored but made new into new creation and that's what the church ought to look like to the world this enigmatic beautiful mosaic of of fragmentation and gold right and and um, so that vision to me is uh, a way to another way to train our imagination to not get stuck in in the brokenness or or trying to move away from it as, as if nothing ever happened that's what typically happens is in the western world is you know we forget that you know, brokenness can be a beginning of something, we say, well, we're just going to fix it or buy something new to replace it, right? But the Japanese have understood that there's some sacred dimension to broken realities. And through that um, fissures of life, we can discover something new.
0: It's interesting, because the power of a testimony, is in that brokenness, isn't it? Absolutely. Like people that yeah. really move our hearts are telling stories about somehow God showed up in my yes. need. God made himself real to me. Yes. And, and I find that that's what we have to remember, that we have that story to tell. It's interesting now, the times that we're living in, even sort of post COVID, the reality mm-hmm. of, of so many saying, well, I'm not religious, mm-hmm. spiritual. And the kind of non-nons, not Mm -hmm. clicking Mm -hmm. that. And I think it's a moment where we have we have to come with freshness. Mm -hmm. And I I find the vulnerability that Henry has in his writing Mm -hmm. is some of that freshness. I find the great honesty, but also the openness that you bring to what Mm -hmm. the arts need to speak. We need them for the health of what's going on, for us to communicate.
1: Yeah the spirit has never stopped it's communicating it's just you know where do we look for that uh, abundance and fruitfulness and the church has has been a source of beauty and yet not in recent times right we, we've struggled to be the um you know exemplar of creativity and imagination uh over time um and we we are afraid of Uh, creativity and technology that's that's the image that younger generation sees so there's no interest in you know going back to a time when there was no you know iphone or chat gpt or or or, you know and they see a work like vincent van gogh or rembrandt and they say this is absolutely amazing you know that this this man who had nothing painted with you know what he had basically uh but dedicated his, his his life to creating beauty um in in his trauma in his, in his darkness and speak still speaks right the, the spirit continues to speak through starry night and and so many other parables that vincent painted and so it's all there uh we may find people going to museums and theater and music rather than to churches and synagogues. Um, but that doesn't mean that the spirit has stopped speaking and and, and nature certainly is crying out to us, right? So we, we need to pay attention to those voices and, and, and perhaps they can tell us, artists can tell us, you know, where we need, need to go as a church, um, to understand how the language of 21st century can become this new voice into culture, a prophetic voice, a voice that um can give us a renewed imagination and hope. And um, I, I I really believe that the artists have the potential. Um, again, we we have to do our work to help artists understand their responsibility and stewardship. Uh, but you know, we uh, church is God's artwork, um, his masterpiece. Um we are, you know, broken and yet made perfect in Christ. Um and that is a remarkable reality that um I I think in, in the days to come we have the opportunity to showcase.
0: I love how in your books, you talk about artists as border stalkers. There's a <laughs> yes. word for it that I don't think I can yeah. pronounce, but I, tell yes, us why. Uh,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I thought that was so good. Yeah. I thought, you know, you kind of, you kind of give them permission yeah. to not be in the center, but to be right. bringing to us um, fresh lands, fresh visions. Yeah. tell us just a little bit about that
1: (laughs) well I compare artists to honeybees you know honeybees (laughs) are critical for nature without honeybees we can't really exist really but um, you know honeybees are border stalkers they worker bees go out um, uh, of of their nest they are built for this right and what do they look for they look for beauty they and and by doing so, when they find beauty, they pollinate the very beautiful, right, in, into fruitfulness, and uh-huh. then they they bring back honey, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and yeah, the world sees honeybees as dangerous because it stings. Now, honeybees don't want to sting because they will die <laughs> if they sting. <laughs> It's just the only source of protection, but but you know we're learning how important honeybees are to the ecosystem, and I I say same same thing uh, about artists being um, absolutely necessary for the ecosystem to thrive, ecosystem culture to thrive, um, and we need to let church uh, you know if if church is to become um, one of the great sources of beauty they need to have you know worker bees uh, artist types go out to find beauty and then because they will return you know but but we we all we often uh cage them inside uh afraid that once teenage you know uh sheep teenage bees go out there they would face danger well it is dangerous it is true but the whole ecosystem is built around this uh, way that we we have border stalkers within our communities and they're meant to be sent out and because unless they do they cannot bring up bring back honey they cannot bring back this information of nourishment and ecosystem that is out there and um, you know it's only when you come back that you can communicate to each other right so the tribal reality the center at the heart of the church is is also critical. Um, so it, it, both are needed, um, but this um, reality that artists often like myself feel is that if, if we are simply inside the tribal zones, we cannot create into the world. And um, oftentimes, you know, I, I always advise artists to um, don't be alone out there because it is dangerous. Uh, go in twos, threes, go in groups if if uh, if you need to go. And and develop this keen ear for the good shepherd, right? That because we 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 can get lost and we need to know where to go back. Um, and and that's also part of you know what what I, ha- I have tried to do with younger artists is to help them discern culture and and to you know if you if you are looking for beauty creating beauty then they have a responsibility. To bring that beauty back to the tribe, and and explain it because it's like a foreign language to of people, right? <laughs> you know, it's hard to explain, you know, where the where these um, beautiful flowers are and what they look like, you know, because nobody has seen it, right? So we have to be able to have this ability to translate and communicate that as well
0: you wrote a book called culture care yeah and i think that that's a very vital book what part do we play in that yeah. we as believers not just the artists but culture right. care why is yeah. that important
1: right so we have admired in culture wars and culture war metaphor is to see culture as a battleground right to defend what we must defend um And that's understandable because we all feel besieged by culture. Now, but what if we change the metaphor to seeing culture as an ecosystem to take care of, or a garden to uh, steward and and grow fruitful, you know, um, beautiful tomatoes. You know, Mm -hmm. and if that's the goal, is fruitfulness, then winning and losing is is not, you know, the main issue. The, the The goal is fruitfulness. So whoever is growing the best tomatoes, you know, we should learn from, right? It doesn't matter what they believe in terms of political ideology. If they're <laughs> growing good tomatoes, you know, we want to know how that's done, right? And so taste and see that God is good. Well, if somebody is fruitful, then we need to learn from that person. That person may be an atheist and that we we may not understand, you know, we may not have alignment, but, you know, by learning uh, from them about the good gifts that God has given them um, and that we we can appreciate as as Christians, we can tell, you know, uh, somebody who may not know, who is not cognizant of God's grace and God's presence in in that fruitfulness that we are so grateful for you because you have given us abundance and feast, a reminder that God is abundant uh, in this violent time, you know. And I think for future generations, we have to think about the soil, toxic soil that we are, you know, creating through fighting culture wars. And no one wins culture wars, by the way. You know, every time you win, you lose by by demonizing the other side we're shrinking our own territories so we end up defending smaller and smaller turf meanwhile the poison we have sown into the ground is seeping into our own ground you can't stop that so everything is you know is is decimated by by trying to save our own turf so it's not effective it's it's not the way to create the future um so is you know the way to win culture war is to care is to love your enemies is is to do good to those who persecute you and these are words of jesus right the great uh, gardener post-resurrection gardener <laughs> that we we you know we need to return to understanding that the soil culture needs to be tended to amended um you know create uh, for the next generation so that when they sow seeds that it will grow uh grow into abundance
0: what comes to mind to me right now is that um more than ever we need to speak up yes. with voices that believe what jesus said yes that to love your enemies yes. we have to believe it we have right. to believe it and live it and and yeah. And practice it, yes. Own it as our own. If we mm-hmm. can't bring love out into the world, who will? Right. This point. It's so needed. It's needed more than ever. Mm-hmm. Another little bit that she wrote about the arts is if there's two kinds of economies: yes. kind of gift economy and more of a monetary economy. Maybe just take that part yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. How would you? How would you? Just. Yeah,
1: so we live in transactional reality, um, universe really, and. Um, we assume that's the only way that, you know, we can survive. We survive by taking away things or creating things that people want. Um, and that in turn gives us power. But that, that's not the only way that the the world works. Fortunately, a poet is writing uh, in, in, in a little desk uh, in Amherst without having any transactional benefit right uh, emily dickinson never really made a living out of her poems she uh she was a gardener and she she created uh, she baked things to give away to people with her poems and and you know we wonder what happened to those poems but today emily dickinson is the greatest american poet um had, has sold more books than any other poet alive so or dead. So, <laughs> so what happened there? So, so there, there's a unique way that gift economy pours into the transactional uh, economy. Same thing with Vincent Van Gogh, right? Nobody wanted his paintings when he was alive, but now because of 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 the luminosity of, of this generative um, power of his imagination, we are literally. Benefiting um, and and now it's 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 rather transactional to you know go see Vincent Van Gogh or MoMA or you know all these immersive experiences, but we forget that it's actually flipped. It's it's not the gift economy becoming reality in a transactional reality. It's the other way. It's it's gift economy giving transactional uh, economy. A chance to stay true to the uh, to the ideals of capitalism of a free economy, um, and so you know we we don't understand the power of beauty. We and and the church, we we need to understand, like because the gospel is about giving away love, right? Gospel is based on gift economy. We do not seek to you know, to have this transactional, you know, give and take. And Henry Nouwen uh, wrote about this beautiful when he wrote about generosity, right? It, it's the most powerful thing because people are not expecting us to give away things or to, to love people. and And by giving away, actually we are the ones creating this, reverse paradigm in which the transactional reality, what it's us to do, gift economy is able to bring something more valuable and more enduring into communities and into our lives. And, and so artists are, are the harbingers of this gift economy um, of bringing beauty, which it doesn't seem like it's going to make any money, right, uh, initially, um, but it turns out to be the most important.
0: Well, I am so grateful you take time to chat with me. I really, (laughs) I want our audience to know you and to know your wonderful writing. You've written Culture Care, you've written Art and Faith, and you've written Silence and Beauty, wonderful books. But more important, I want them to see your artwork. So we will put all sorts of links that will help Mm -hmm. people find and, and let their hearts be nurtured. You're a voice of encouragement, a voice to the border stalkers of the world. And a voice that calls the church forward to say, we need the arts. We need the artists. We need to encourage them. We need to uh, see the Van Goghs and the Maccos and all of them and just say, God, thank you for this. Thank you for this vision. I have one little side question. You lost a lot of paintings during that dreadful flood. What was that like? I mean, that must have been, you know, I hear others that go through floods, but that's a whole body of work. How did how did that impact well, you?
1: Well, you know what was miraculous is that my whole set of paintings that I did for Four Holy Gospels project, um, a book that I gave to Pope Francis. Um, I was I was I just finished that series and we were just about to exhibit it when the flood happened and they were miraculously saved. Uh, they they were right by the window where the the burst of water came through but because they were right by it they 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 were not affected um it was miracle um I lost 50 over 50 works and of course it's sad to say goodbye to those but you know more than that I identified with you know people who have lost valuable things in fire or You know these these moments in life, life doesn't make sense, and um, I also felt as an artist, this this is a way that you know, despite. You know, you, you you gain something by losing, right? You 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 begin to think about things differently, um, and and I have done a series uh, called Walking Water, which came out um, after that with 311 disaster in Japan. It, it it compounded that, but but it's it's really about, you know, how do we walk on water um, when the world is underwater? and um and that that kind of meditation i I am grateful that i I can create you know again into the future um and and of course those works i I will never get back but you know that um has began something new as well
0: what a great question how do we walk on water (laughs) i do believe you're doing that my friend i really (laughs) do in the midst of in the midst of a world that feels like it's going under. I, yes. I'm grateful yeah. for the witness that you are. Thank you for this.
1: Thank you so much. Bye.
0: Bye-bye. I want to thank all of you for listening to our conversation today. You will find links in the show notes of this podcast to Mako Fujimura's books and various things we refer to in our conversation. If you'd like to watch this interview, you can see it on our YouTube channel. I hope you've already signed up to receive our daily meditations written by Henry Nouwen. If not, you could do that on our website at henrynowen.org. Remember, they're free, and they're a wonderful way to stay informed about the various things we have to offer to those who enjoy the writings and the teachings of Henry Nowen. We'd also be so grateful if you would consider donating to the Henry Nowen Society. Your resources help us share the daily meditations and these podcasts right around the world. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please take time to give us a review or a thumbs up or pass this on to your friends and family. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.